Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, world. Welcome to episode 159 of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, June the 7th, 2023. I cannot tell you how motivated and inspired and impressed and validated and just flat out excited I am for you to listen to today's episode with Taylor Jandron. We recorded the show a few weeks ago. And if you listen to the Elise Unfiltered podcast, then you know how much of an advocate I am for taking personal responsibility for your life, for your wellness, for your health, be it mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. And I've been dying to release this episode because we need to scream this message from the rooftops. For far too long, corporate narratives with financial interest have been controlling the way that we see our health. All right, it's, it wasn't always this way. It's a, It's been slowly but surely building. We have been conditioned to put our trust in a healthcare system to make us healthier, right? Yes, and to fix us and heal us, right? And yet our society is slowly but surely getting sicker and living with chronic disease longer. Hello? These corporate narratives call them age-related diseases just to, you know, justify, oh yeah, that makes sense. And make a very, they make very compelling arguments to support this age-related situation. So let me ask you this. If the healthcare system is making us healthier, then why are we becoming a society that is more and more chronically ill? Listen to this stat. You can Google this, by the way. Of the population of people in the U.S. 50 years old or older, the number with at least one chronic disease is estimated to increase 99.5% from 71.5 million to in 2020 to 142 million by 2050. That's massive. That's doubling. My question to you is, do you want to be a part of that statistic? If the answer is no, then maybe looking to the holistic community for options for you to learn some alternative tools. I'm not saying all medical tools are are bad. I'm just saying there are alternate ways for you to build a healthy body and mind. And Taylor Jondron, who is a holistic nutritionist, a certified yoga and meditation teacher, and an NLP practitioner specializing in natural anxiety management is one of those tools. She is fantastic. We like to call her the anxiety nutritionist and for good cause. Taylor works on the root cause in preventing and even reversing mental health concerns through the combination of nutritional protocols, lifestyle coaching, and she really helps women tackle their anxiety without medication. Anxiety amongst many other mental health conditions are lifestyle conditions. The, their symptoms can be managed by taking a pill, yes, 
I've been there. Taylor's been there. However, they can be healed by tackling the root cause. Imagine you have extreme anxiety or chronic anxiety and you learned tools and steps to listen to your body in a different way and and you healed yourself. Imagine that. Imagine that power. Oh, it's so powerful. This is the power you have. And conversations like this one are key to shifting your perspective on your health, on how you see your health, on your gut health, on understanding your body and shifting what's actually going on. Taylor's approach is extremely compassionate as she too used to suffer from insurmountable anxiety, which she cured by the way, through exploring the gut gut health and paying attention to symptoms from a what is my body trying to tell me lens. Her signature program and podcast named Breaking Up With Anxiety is a fast-growing community as more and more people are waking up. Yes, Taylor is a huge figure in the Awakened community. So if you are hearing the whispers and are ready to take your health into your own hands, this episode is for you. So let's get started, shall we? (laughs) Here is Taylor Jandron. Welcome, Taylor, to the show. I am so happy to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. How are you? I know. It at least has been pre-pandemic, so it's been a very long time. I'm so good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, As I mentioned off air, I'm obsessed with the spring weather, and I personally am just like on an upswing in life right now, and I'm loving it. I have lots of energy. However, I also love your work. I love what you're doing. I love what you're talking about because it seems to me as I zoom out on my own life and just have observe the world that the level of anxiety happening is profound. It, it seems exponentially higher than ever before. And I want to know your take on that. Is that something that we're just seeing more because social media is like, we're chronically obsessed with our phones and we're always like the, the speed at which information is being transferred from individual to individuals higher now with social media access, or is this like a thing? Like, are we becoming a more anxious society? I love this question. I get this question a lot, actually. One of my best friends asked me not long ago because her dad was asking her and because she has anxiety and her dad was like, you know, back in my day, you know, nobody (laughs) talked about this or nobody had this, which is one part of the equation, right? Is that there's definitely more conversation around it, which is amazing. But he was asking her. And so then she circled back and she asked me and she was like, why do you think that it seems to be everywhere. And I think there's so many layers as always to yeah. this answer. It's Definite, a nuanced answer for sure. It's very yeah. nuanced. Definitely the stigma is slowly but surely being released. And so people are talking about it a little bit more. We have a lot more work to do in this area, but there's a lot of conversations around it happening. So it's definitely just more in our face than it would have been before where people would have been struggling silently behind closed doors, which a lot of people still are. So there's yeah. that. Social media, all of that stuff, 100%. Obviously, we just went through something very traumatic for the entire world. That was a traumatic experience. No matter how you reacted to it, there was yeah. something involved in the pandemic that was traumatic for everybody, which is going to trigger not only mental and emotional symptoms, but it is going to impact our gut health. It is going to impact our hormonal health. 
which kind of brings me to the third part, which is the part that I really focus on, is that nobody has, most people have no idea how to take care of themselves because Mm. we're not being told. Nobody's educating us on this unless you had parents who are like ahead of their time and like super, I don't know. I don't, I tried not to use the word healthy and unhealthy because it's not, it's not like that. But my parents, for example, thought that they were feeding us great, but I had cereal every single morning for breakfast Mm -hmm. growing up and I had a sandwich for lunch. But in my parents' mind, that was what you should be feeding your child. That's what everybody else fed their child. That's what the food period, remember that like horrible food pyramid that we used to have? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It was like 14 servings of like bread. Yeah. Like bread and grains and sugar and dairy. And again, and I, I, you know, when I say this, people are like, you sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I'm like, you have to follow the money and you have to look at who's paying for these things. Oh my gosh. You're, this is like music to my ears because for like, when you looked at the base of that pyramid, anyone born, I think that period, when did that food period come out? It was like in the eighties. And they didn't change it until like what, five years ago or something like that. (laughs) And even still, like, I think it's the lens. Someone just published a new study that rated cornflakes over, over like whole foods, cornflakes over eggs, a whole egg. And again, Uh, who's paying for that research? Exactly. Cereal companies. <laughs> exactly. It's really interesting when you start to sort of broaden your spec. Cause at first you're like, no, they would never do that. There's like a, yeah. a, a, an incredible element of denial because we learned something. So we have a foundational belief and to, and to challenge that belief is very, is, is you have to really open your mind set and start doing the research and start looking around. Who owns these companies? Who's funding these companies? Who's managing these companies? Who who's their CEO? Where were they before they mm-hmm. were CEO of this company? How is it all connected? And how is the food like food and drug companies are becoming almost one in the same? It's almost like they're curating the perfect environment for people to loop, think that they're doing the right thing, and loop through into medic medicine. Like, Oh, you have this symptom. We have a pill. Oh, you want to get healthy. We have a food. Oh, you're not healthy anymore. We have a pill. And it's like this back and forth ping pong match. And, and the world is slowly, but surely getting more obese, more mental health issues, more anxiety that our gut health, which I definitely want to deep dive into seems to be, I can't even tell you how many times I hear people talk about IBS, celiac, Crohn's, diverticulitis, like all of these things that are happening within our guts, that doesn't seem right. That does not seem right. I say this all the time and it sounds dramatic, but it's true. But unless you actually understand how to take care of your gut health, you have a digestive imbalance. And so most people are walking around with a digestive imbalance because our lifestyle and our world, unless you live on some magical island where you have like no stress and like no toxins and none of that stuff, you have impaired digestive function that starts as early as childhood and continues to become more imbalanced 
until we start to get these blaring red flags, like these symptoms, these symptoms are our, our body trying to communicate to us like, Hey, something's going on. Please pay attention to me. And it's like, if a baby is crying, people are like, okay, what does the baby need? They need to eat. They need to be changed. They're tired. Like, what does this baby need? We kind of have to think of ourselves like that. And our body is trying to get our attention because our body can't speak English or whatever language you speak. It's like a baby and it can only communicate cries of help, these cries of pain. Pain means pay attention to me. So if you have any symptom at all, the way that we think, because we're conditioned to think this way, is my body's against me, but it's not. It's trying to get your attention and you're not listening because nobody has taught you how to listen. So it's not about pointing the finger and blaming people and being like, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It's just nobody has taught you this information. And nobody has been like taught how to take accountability for yourself. They're like, here's the pill to fix that. Oh, we know what you need. Take this. Keep yeah. living your life the way it is. Take this. And we're totally circumventing. We're like literally walking around the root cause of what's going on. The actual healing begins at root cause. So what I find fascinating in your work is really linking gut health as the root cause for anxiety. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes. So there are multiple root causes, not just one. Want to make that super clear. Sure. Everything kind of plays into each other. It's how the body is work. Every how the body works, everything's connected. The problem with our modern medical system is we have all these specialists, you know, an endocrinologist, a cardiologist, a whatever, a gynecologist, and nobody's talking to each other. Everybody's acting as if that part of the body acts on its own and it doesn't. <laughs> the right. body is an ecosystem, just like outside is an ecosystem. The yeah. tree is not independent from the soil. That is not independent from the rain. That is not independent from the sky, from the bugs, from the birds. Like the body's like that as well. Everything is connected. So if we're talking about anxiety or panic or depression, and many other things, but let's just talk about those things. Yep. And we're asking, okay, what are the root causes? So a root cause is when you cannot go back any further. It's quite literally the roots of the tree. That's as far back as you can go. And then the symptoms are like the leaves, mm -hmm. right? Love and it. so are, are your leaves like, are they, are they dead? <laughs> Which sounds dramatic, but <laughs> you know, like how healthy is the tree? And when we look at a tree, you're, and you know, people might think this, they might be like, oh, these leaves are bad. Let me just pick off the leaves. But why are the leaves bad? Like we have to look at the soil. We have to look at the root. So what we're looking at is gut health. We're looking at lifestyle choices. We're looking at dietary choices. We're looking at nutrient deficiencies, which plays into gut health and dietary choices mm -hmm. and lifestyle choices. And then of course, we are looking at the mental emotional aspect of trauma, big or small and stress. So do you work in a very stressful job? Is your boss a dick, <laughs> you know, and it really stresses you out? Yeah. Um, are you in a, in a toxic relationship for lack of a better word, right? So we do, we can't ignore that part of the equation because it will over time, if we are under prolonged stress, it will turn around and start to impact, well, our lifestyle choices, our dietary choices, and bada boom, bada bing, our gut health. 
what is optimal gut health? And maybe I want to add in the word microbiome right now, because that's like such a hot topic. I mean, when I was an athlete and we learned about our gut health, we, we, it was called gut bacteria back then. And now it's like been rebranded and blasting into the stratosphere of the microbiome. Yeah. So what is optimal gut health? Yes. So optimal gut health is way more than our microbiome. We have multiple <laughs> microbiomes. We have an oral microbiome, yeah. right? And then we have like our microbiome being where the large amount of our gut bacteria live. These are neurotransmitter producing gut bacteria, by the way. So right there, that's a key role they play in our mental health. Yeah. Well, they live in our large intestine, but our large intestine is the end of the digestive tract. So yeah. most of the time when people talk about gut health, they're thinking of their stomach and they're either thinking about their stomach where you know stomach acid is, yeah. or they're thinking about their large intestine because they're pointing to their stomach, which is actually where their intestines are and your stomach is higher. Yeah. So gut health starts in your, in your mouth and it comes out your butt. <laughs> yep. That's and it's the entire chain of events. So, you know, we have salivary enzymes in our mouth. Digestion starts in our mouth. Our oral microbiome is very important for our gut microbiome. Do you have a lot of cavities? What's your oral health like? That's going to impact your gut health because these things are not separate. You're swallowing 25 million times a day. Like of course they're not separate right? And then we travel down and we have our stomach. It's a hey, very wait. basic anatomy lesson. How many times do we swallow? I don't know this for sure. I said okay. 25 million times. This okay. is just me. I'm pulling a random number out of my head, but okay. I mean, I'm swallowing all day long. Oh, I have absolutely. Is that why when people have like, quote unquote, bad guts, they have halitosis, like really bad breath? Yeah. So that could be a symptom of, let's say, candida, for yeah. example, it could be a symptom of low stomach acid. There's many different things that it can be a symptom of. And again, if you have a symptom, it has multiple causative factors, multiple root causes. It's not A plus B equals resolution. Yeah. And that's where people get stuck because yeah. like the amount of messages I get from people being like, I'm taking a probiotic, it's not working. And I'm like, well, yeah, like a probiotics, like I know they're super hyped up because again, the, the, Everything is a business, right? Everything and is a business. That's not a bad thing per se. Like you and I run businesses, but everything's yeah. a business. Our world functions on the exchange of money. And the supplement world is also a business. So mm -hmm. there's certain things that get super hyped up and everybody jumps on that train and they're not as big as they're being made out to be. And that's where people get confused. They start spinning their wheels and then they're like, well, this natural stuff isn't going to work because I took a probiotic and I took some magnesium and it did nothing. I've heard probiotics, 95% of them die in the stomach acid. Is that myth? Is that true? Do yeah, you, you can get them encapsulated in a certain way. I actually don't really work with probiotics that much, which surprises okay. a lot of people Yeah, because um, they're like, what? Like you're the anxiety nutritionist and you use you're not telling people to go on probiotics, but there's so many factors to consider before putting somebody on a probiotic. We have so many different types of bacteria in yeah, our gut, right? Mm -hmm. So it's different per person. So one, 
Probiotics are expensive. And if you're not paying a lot of money for a probiotic, it's you're not getting what you're paying for. Like it's one of those situations where sometimes you can get really affordable, high quality supplements like a magnesium, for example, but a probiotic, you really get what you pay for. So if you're paying 30, 40 bucks for a probiotic, it's not doing anything. Gotcha. Like you're looking at 70, 80, 90, a hundred dollars. And also just because there's this really good probiotic, it doesn't mean that it's the probiotic for you based on your gut bacteria so that's the first thing. And if you have gut pathogens, so if there is a candida overgrowth or you do have parasites or you have um, SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, probiotics will actually aggravate the situation in the beginning because it's basically like you have a garden and there's a bunch of weeds in your garden and you just start planting flowers on top of the weeds. Like you have to pull up the weeds first. Right. Yeah, that's what's happening with the gut pathogens. Like we have to remove those first before we just start throwing probiotics on the gut that there might not even actually be space for them to colonize in the gut. So can you give me sort of maybe two or three major symptoms that someone's gut might be out of balance? Like how do we know that our gut is potentially, or our gut health from mouth to butt is part of the root cause. Yes. So, um, can I rattle off a bunch? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because I always like to blow people's mind with this Okay. because when people think of digestive health, they think bloating, acid reflux, IBS, constipation, indigestion, things like that. And yes, that is indicating that there is something going on with digestion or your something you're eating is aggravating your digestion. And this can happen up to four days after eating the offending food, by the way. It's not oh, always immediate. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sometimes it's immediate, but not always. But there's a whole bunch of other symptoms that have nothing to do with your gut health that are directly related to imbalances in the gut. And this is where people are like, wait, what? Because you would never, ever, ever make this connection. So obviously anxiety, panic, depression are huge that most people don't make that connection. But now we're starting to see people talk about it more, which is amazing. Headaches, insomnia, brain fog, dark circle bags under your eyes. If you're getting enough sleep, and you're sitting in your sleep and you still have these like dark circles under your eyes, anything on the skin, and I cannot stress this enough, rashes, itchiness, psoriasis, eczema, acne, uh, muscle aches and joint pain, nasal congestion, frequent colds, like obviously you're going to get sick. You're not going to walk through this world never getting sick, right? It's part of our life. Yeah. It's part of our life. And it builds a robust immune system, but you should be able to bounce back quite quickly, like two to three days max. Yep. Yep. And if you're not bouncing back and if you're getting sick four times, let's say one quote unquote cold and flu season, but don't even frigging get me started on that. (laughs) Yep. But if you get, let's say you get sick four times and it's really knocking you down, you got to look at your gut health. Um, I think I said muscle joint pain and muscle aches, right? And yep. then seasonal allergies. That Ooh. is another 
big one that people normalize. They're just like, oh, everybody has seasonal allergies. So I'm just going to go to the shopper's drug mart or whatever drugstore near you. And I'm going to pick up some over-the-counter antihistamine, which isn't actually doing anything about the allergy. It's just slapping a Band-Aid on it. And let me tell you, fun fact, I used to have the worst seasonal allergies. Like I couldn't wear contacts. I would go through an entire Kleenex box every single night. I couldn't sleep. My parents used to have to pin me down when I was little and put drops in my eyes. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. I couldn't do things with my friends because my eyes were in so much pain. Guess what? I I have none of that anymore. Interesting. And vice versa. I have like several people in my circle that have started to say that they are developing seasonal allergies. So how do you explain that? Right? uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, the medical community slash internet people will just tell you, oh, that's normal. Like adult onset, whatever. And it's like, yeah, because you've been living X amount of years with digestive imbalances building up that have gone on to impact your hormones. My grandma used to say this to me. She used to always be like, it's so unfortunate. Oh no, she would say, you're lucky you got allergies when you were young, because if you get them when you're young, you grow out of them. But if you get them as an adult, you don't. Well, let me tell you, I had allergies from like 10 years old until I was 25 when I went to school and started doing this work. And at what point are you supposed to grow out of them? Is 25 not an adult? I don't know. Well, going to the store and getting a pill is is easy. It's easier. It, it requires no accountability. It does not require us to sit in the discomfort of analyzing our life and changing our choices. So like, this is like part of the personal responsibility that I, hopefully people see me as an advocate for taking on your personal power and taking responsibility for your life and the things that happen in your life as opposed to just sitting back and being the victim of seasonal allergies, being the victim of anxiety, being the victim all the time. Because that and 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 our culture supports you giving your power away to the label. And and oftentimes I find, I don't know if you experience this within your work, people are almost relieved to get a label. Oh, it's depression. Give me the meds. Thank you. It's not me. It's the chemical imbalance, which is also bullshit. It's not me. It's anxiety. It's the world's problem. It's all that that's the responsible, not me. Do you experience that? All the time. And I really am not a fan of labels. I really am not because they do not, they tell us the what, but they do not tell us the how. And yes. And listen, I know that some people it it could give them a little bit of peace of mind. Like if we're talking about an autoimmune condition, for example, which takes up to 10 years, by the way, for a woman to get a diagnosis for an autoimmune condition, because the medical community does a piss poor job at dealing with autoimmunity. So after 10 years of going, of feeling like shit and going around and around and around, yes, you're going to finally get that. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew this wasn't in my head. I knew there was something going on in my body. Yes. But then now what? Now what? Because your autoimmune condition is a symptom. And guess what? It's a symptom of gut health amongst other things. And so, yes, okay, now you have this explanation, kind of, you have this label, but now what? 
what's next? And that's where people stop. They stop at the label. And then they wonder why they get worse because the medication is not addressing the imbalances that led to the symptom. When we talk about anxiety, depression, this like aggravates me. It really actually, I, I, I know, like, I, I appreciate your compassion piece to this because absolutely as someone who was on anxiety and depression medication, I took Effexor 300 milligrams of Effexor daily for eight years. It destroyed wow, my gut that's health. A high dose. It's a very high. Yes. Yeah. Every time I went in, I was like, I still have anxiety. So the, 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 they kept increasing it. Yeah. It <laughs> happened took- to me too. I was on the highest dose of Prozac for four years. Yes. It took me almost two years to get off it. I didn't. And you know what? At the time I was the person who, you know, there back in when I started my prescription, I think it was in 1999, maybe 2000, there wasn't a lot of people that were going to psychologists and psychiatrists and having mental health issues. Remember when psychologists used to be the quacks and yeah. now yeah. we're the quacks. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's actually true. I'm like, I'm waiting for the time, the day when I'm not the quack anymore. I know. And honestly though, like that, there are some extremely phenomenal psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors working in the mental health. Oh, they're so good. And it, and all of the professionals, including us, we're a tool in helping you to get your shit together. Like that's the thing. Like you need support and tools and people and storytelling and experiences to establish the mastery in you to master yourself and master your mind, master your gut and be the physician of your own health. It's so important to hear expert. We're not supposed to be experts in everything. We need expert advice. Absolutely. And that's kind of where I was. And I was embarrassed to have a mental health issue. They told me I had a chemical imbalance in my brain, which I now know is absolute fucking bullshit. And And the research confirms it now. And the research confirms it now. Which we've known in the holistic community forever, but yay for research confirming it. (laughs) Yes. Thank God. And then my doctor, my, my red flag when it came to, you call it SSRIs, any anxiety, depression, medication, was my doctor told me that she didn't want me to come off it. Yeah. And that, that was a lot. Th- yes. And I was like, but why? I took it because I was an athlete. I was under high stress situations. I was traveling the world. I was managing all the blah, 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 blah. I had anxiety. Or at least I thought I had anxiety. And I, instead of giving me skills and tools to cope and handle it, I was given a pill, not like, and I have no shame in that. There's no problems with that. However, once I started to wake up and like acknowledge, Hmm, something's weird. It's like that first little, like uh, red flag, which was my doctor wouldn't get me off. I started to do my own research. And like I said, become the physician of my own health. And I weaned myself off. I would like break apart those pills and take half out. And I had to wean myself off. It was horrible. It took me 18 months. And I just like refused to be the victim of the system. And maybe that's part of my personality. But again, circling back, sorry, this is a long story, but circling back. I just, I love it. It's so empowering too, for anybody listening. Like, because so many people would take what that doctor said and been like, okay, even though that's not what they wanted. And I have conversations in my DMs with women who are 
to me, I'm like, it sounds like they're like, they're like almost crying to me in the DMs. They're like sending me all these cry faces and they're just like, my doctor won't let me come off. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's your body, but I get it because it's very scary when somebody that you put on a pedestal, like the medical community is telling you, you cannot come off of this. Like, of course, that's very scary. So the fact that you were just like, fuck you, essentially, like I'm weaning off of this is so empowering because we're not, we're, we're not trapped by what our medical doctors who are just one part of the entire healthcare system. They're not the, you know, there's one little part they medicate and they cut out and there is a time and place for that. And they're very good at that, but there's a whole other field of healthcare that they have nothing to do with. And they don't know anything about quite frankly. It's also interesting to start to really pay attention to the kickback they get yes. for prescribing certain medications. It's a business. It's a business. And yeah. they make money off you being on certain drugs. And that's the thing. Some I have a few doctor friends that come in and ask lifestyle questions. What are you doing in your life? How much sleep are you actually getting? Like when your doctor's not doing that, there's a that should be a red flag, in my opinion. If your doctor's yeah. not offering some sort of you know, question, like how much exercise are you doing? There is there. I don't know. That's, this is my personal opinion. I, I, there's no science backing my opinion here. This is just my personal, but I want to just circle back to this anxiety becoming so normalized now that as opposed to taking responsibility for your life and starting to make choices, they're victim signaling and being this I feel like the victim community for anxiety, depression is strengthening the emotional dysfunction of the world. It's strengthening the mental health, like the, the mental health decline, because it's like, oh, you have anxiety. I have anxiety. Let's, let's cheer on all this anxiety and keep building it up and taking more meds and doing fuck all about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I have like, it grinds my gears a little bit when it's it's like on one side, I'm like, okay, I'm glad we're talking about it more. But then when I see all these people with massive platforms, like influencers and stuff, just throwing around the word anxious and anxiety, so loosey goosey, that's where I'm like, can we not do that? Because you're basically normalizing it like you're normalizing stress and stress is inevitable. We're all going to experience stress in our life, but stress and like anxiety and like an anxiety disorder are very different things. Like the normal human emotion of anxiety. Sure. You feel that a few times a year, perfectly normal, right? But like chronic anxiety and anxiety disorder, depression, a panic disorder, like that's not normal. And yes, I'm all for like releasing the stigma, but I'm not for normalizing it as like a normal part of the human experience because it's not. That's a really important distinction. Mm -hmm. I concur. I concur. So panic attacks, depression, anxiety coming from the gut. Can you like, why does, how does this happen? Yes. So again, there's a bunch of different ways that this could be happening with anxiety as a chronic symptom when we have low stomach acid for example this is the site of most of our protein this is like where our protein is being digested so you are not what you eat you are what you digest absorb assimilate and then excrete 
So there's a lot happening here. So just because you eat something, just because you eat like a piece of chicken breast, which is great for you, right? It doesn't mean that your body's actually taking it and breaking it down and pulling out all the vitamins and minerals and pulling out all the amino acids, which a protein is made up of amino acids and then sending it to the parts of the body that it needs to go. So if we look at the stomach, for example, if stomach acid is compromised, if it's low, which it is in a lot of people, and we're not going to be breaking down protein. And guess what protein is? It's the building blocks of our neurotransmitters. It's the building blocks of our hormones. It's the building blocks of our immune system. Mm. And the catch 22 here is it also acts as a building blocks for our digestive enzymes. Interesting. So then if we move to the liver, We'll continue the voyage. So now we're going to the liver. This is primarily where a lot of our fat and some of our vitamins and minerals are being absorbed. If the liver is busy detoxing all the toxins, all the sugar, all the alcohol, the fact that you didn't sleep well last night, which is when the liver detoxes and recharges, yep. all of these things, if the liver, liver is too busy, it has over 500 jobs. 565 was the last number I saw. We'll probably learn that yeah. the liver does more. It's an amazing organ. If it's busy doing all that, then it doesn't really have time <laughs> to be working on your digestion because digestion is a function of the parasympathetic nervous system, not the sympathetic nervous system. Because if you're running from a metaphorical bear, your body does not need to be digesting things right now. So Can you we're going to a little bit like the, the difference between parasympathetic and sympathetic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So sympathetic is our fight or flight. Everyone's familiar with that. The parasympathetic is the rest, digest, the heal, the detox. Certain things happen in both sides of the, this is the anatomic nervous system that won't happen in other things. So if you're in the sympathetic nervous system, digestion is shut down. Your sexual function is shut down as well because you do not need to reproduce when you're running away from a bear. That's not important. What's important is we're sending everything to the muscles so that you can run. And the body doesn't know the difference between you freaking out at somebody in traffic because they cut you off and you actually being in danger or you being like, mad at your mother-in-law for something because yeah. maybe you didn't establish a boundary <laughs> or you read a tweet like, yeah or you like, went down the scroll hole and, and you were like oh my god this person said this on instagram because <laughs> yeah, it feels threatening like people are they take everything's personal right now so they feel threatened reading a tweet which the body responds as though you're feeling you're being threatened in real life like your life is in danger yeah. so it's flooding your body with stress hormones And shunting all of your resources to the muscles, to your heart, to like the organs and the tissues that you actually need to get out of a dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. And it's shutting down everything else. And so if we are in the sympathetic nervous system, we cannot be digesting. So if you're eating food on the go, you're running around, you're chasing your kids, you're yelling at your husband, you're trying to pack your lunch and you're just shoving food in your mouth. Guess what? You're not digesting any of that. So you're not until, actually getting until anything. when, like, until when, like, can you take some deep breaths? Can you like, yes, can, take like, some deep breaths before you eat would be great. And actually chew your food and not mm. swallow it whole would be lovely if you can. <laughs> what about lo- like blended, like smoothies and stuff like that? Like if you're on the go, is like a smoothie, a better option than like a steak? 
Yes. And you still want to chew your smoothie. So you want to kind of swish it around your mouth and pretend like you're chewing it a little bit before swallowing it because digestion starts in the mouth. A lot of smoothies are full of carbs and carb digestion starts in the mouth with the salivary enzymes. So it's not like if no carb digestion is happening in the stomach. Like it has to start in the mouth. And again, it just goes back to the piece that we're not educated on this. We just think that we eat something and that's it. Our body just does what it needs to do with it. Just (laughs) bada bing, bada boom. Go to the bathroom. It's magic. (laughs) But that's not what's happening. Different sites of the digestive system are, are absorbing different things. Most of your vitamin and mineral absorption isn't even happening until the small intestine. And even then, if there's inflammation in the small intestine, which there is for most people, especially if you consume a lot of gluten, if you consume a lot of sugars, if you consume a lot of processed foods, if you over-exercise, which is a big thing I see in women, because there's this, what you see in the mental health space is exercise is really good for your anxiety, do more cardio, unless of course you have heart palpitations, then cardio is too intense because it makes you think you're going to have a panic attack. So do yoga or something. Mm. And then the diet industry has uh, fucked us all up royally by telling us to eat 1200 calories a day and exercise more. (laughs) Yes. So most people, by the time, most women, by the time they're teenagers or in their early twenties have impaired digestive function because of the messaging that's around us and intestinal permeability. So now the site where our minerals and vitamins and all that good stuff that we need is supposed to be absorbed, isn't getting absorbed. Inflammation is happening. So our immune system's on high alert. It's like the guard dog that just yaps at everything, even this, like the mailman, you know? That's what's happening with our immune system. It's like, yep, 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 everything. So now we have a heightened immune response. So guess what? The body's in sympathetic because it's on high alert. So what we, the preferred system to digest, to absorb as many nutrients as possible to get the whole flow of flowing is to be in a parasympathetic, which, which we can do through being mindful when we eat, slowing down, having routine, maybe sitting at a table. I've heard like sitting up without distraction, not on your phone, being mindful, chewing your food. And when we sleep at night. Yeah. So sleep is so, 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 so important for so many reasons. Um, In the context of what we're talking about with digestion, this is when, especially between the hours of one and three, this is really when your liver is like detoxing, cleaning, doing what it needs to do so that when you're up and you're exposed, because you just walk outside and you're going to be exposed to toxins. It's not about avoiding toxins. It's just about supporting our digestive system so that when we come into contact with toxins, our body can just be like, cool, I'm just going to eliminate this because I have the resources to do so. And on this conversation, because I feel like a lot of people might be like, oh, I don't, I don't have time. I have kids. I work. I do all these things. Circling back to the accountability piece, is that really true? If you took a really good hard look at your life, especially as women, listen, I love women. I'm a woman, yep. <laughs> but we do way more than we need to. Oh yeah. I, so, I, I honestly <laughs> think I have, to, I have, I want to just chime in here. I think two things. This is your work. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that 
observing and working with women in the mental health space and watching their lives is that there's there's a certain element of childhood trauma, be it super big or super small. There's a certain element of how women in the 70s, 80s, and sort of 90s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and half of the 90s, where we try to control everything. We have yeah. become out of control in our own lives and outsourcing our happiness and outsourcing our labels and our problems that we are busying ourselves, controlling everything around us to feel secure in our lives. Yeah. Not asking for help and then feeling resentful because we yes. didn't communicate that we needed help. Mm-hmm. Feeling like, well, I'm the woman, especially if you have a family. So I take care of everyone. That's my role. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But this is what we do. And same thing, you know, I'm I'm not a mother. I don't have children. I have my own mothers. I work with a lot of mothers and I used to nanny. Mm-hmm. And so and I, I have a lot of colleagues and friends that are mothers and I'm having these conversations with them. And I feel like sometimes I might get pushback from a client where they'll be like, well, you don't have a kid, so you don't understand. And I'm like, stop using your kids as an excuse. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I know that sounds really harsh and they're like, you know, no one's actually said this to me, but I can envision people in their head being like, how dare you say that? You don't have a kid. But like, if you got really, really, really honest with yourself, because if you really wanted to make the change, you would, and you would figure it out because other people are doing it. And so how are they doing it? I oftentimes like to ask the question of like, what kind of rule model do you want to be for your child? Totally. How do you want, because they're watching you. They're watching you every second and they're getting subliminal messaging constantly every day and creating their personalities and creating their habits and creating their love foundation. What does self-love look like? They're learning that right now. They learn that between the ages of seven and 14 big time. So if Mm -hmm. you're avoiding the work, if you're avoiding taking care of yourself, they're going to do that too. It's it's like 90%. Yes. And the other 10% is swinging the exact opposite where they, where they think they never want to be like their parents. So they do the exact opposite, which is still unhealthy. So there's no balance in that middle of like really stopping to, to optimize your mental and, and physical health. And, and the other thing that I find women do often is they just want like the quick fix. They don't want to do it over time. They don't Mm want to, they want it to be better tomorrow. So if I eat the salad right now, I want it done like tomorrow (laughs) and to fix your gut health. It's a little bit different than it's a little bit different than that. However. Okay. I just going back to like the sympathetic parasympathetic sleep thing. I just have one question because I heard of like a Ben Greenfield podcast and Michael and I have been doing this for like a year or maybe two, a, a long time that you can go to sleep in a parasympathetic state and not actually get optimize your digestion while you're sleeping. We think we're sleeping and we're resting, but really we're not. And my aura ring has like actually really shown me my sleep data has been so interesting of how much deep sleep I actually get, how much REM sleep I actually get, restorative sleep. And one thing we do is take three deep belly breaths at night and envision ourselves like sinking into our bed, like getting heavy in the body. And it's like, 
such a small thing that is really optimizing. Is, is that a thing? Yeah. I have so much to say about this. Oh, First cool. of all, I love that you have the data. I love the aura rings. I don't have one. I have a different contraption, um, but same thing. It's tracking my sleep quality. It's tracking my HRV, which is yeah. uh, a measure of your nervous system health. So the higher it is, the more flexible your nervous system. And the and by flexibility, I mean the easier you can pull yourself back into parasympathetic, which is the key. We don't want to never go into sympathetic because we need that. It's very important. It'll literally save our lives maybe in a situation, you know? Yeah. And stress is not a bad thing. Acute stress is great. It's chronic stress, right? Yeah. So love that you have the stats to show that this one simple shift, because yes, sometimes it is this simple. Simple does not mean easy. Yeah but it is so simple. And then just on your topic of, you know, why would, so let's say for example, somebody does this and they take their big deep breaths and they're manifesting that they're going to have a nice sleep because they're visualizing it. Yeah. Which is great because also the way that your nervous system doesn't understand the difference between like having to run to save your life and having like a toxic work situation. It's the same thing with visualization. Like your brain doesn't know the difference. You could visualize something and your body's like, this happened. That's why it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. But let's say somebody does this and they're like, well, my sleep still isn't approving. Guess what? Gut health. (laughs) Gut health. Gut health. Diet, hormones. Hormones are also a symptom, by the way. So starting with your hormones first is kind of going at it ass backwards. It's still a symptom of diet, lifestyle, all these things. What's your sleep hygiene like? Are you on your phone? right until you go to bed? Are you watching TV right until you go to bed? Like this all matters. And so to your point about we want to be better and we want to be better now. I mean, this is men and women, really. We're just like, we crave like that immediate gratification, both from like society, culture, and I guess just humans in general, we're extremely impatient. But every, if you think of everything you've ever done in your life that was worthwhile, it took time. If you're a mom, it took you nine months for your baby. Was that not worth it? Those yes. nine months? Yes. So if it takes you nine months or more than nine months to get better in your physical and mental health, would that not be worth it? It's a great perspective. Absolutely. Okay. So let's just, let's go back to the nutrition side. I'd like to just sort of finish off with a few quick tips, maybe some yes. hacks. I would like to know what, what are three foods to maybe avoid that would cause uh, an imbalance in the gut? Gluten. Gluten. If you have an autoimmune condition, please avoid it. If you don't have an autoimmune condition, you can test it out, but really no more than two to four times a week. Okay. Is it gluten or is it glyphosate? It's the processing of gluten. It's the like, processing. It's, yeah. the, it's what we have done over here in North America to fuck everything up. <laughs> okay. So what have we done? Like, because I, I was gluten intolerant at, at, 10 years ago before it was like trending. And I was like, what the mm-hmm. hell? I would eat anything gluten and like have crazy IBS. I got a colonoscopy. They confirmed I have IBS. I didn't have IBS. I just went gluten-free and all of a sudden, but they didn't have the gluten-free substitutes. They didn't have all the crackers and the breads and the whatever, the cakes back then, like as they do now for choice. So I really like kind of sort of went grain free and every symptom went away. How Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. 
so a lot of people they'll travel to Europe, for example, where they have very different rules and regulations and a lot of things are nice and fresh and they'll find that when they eat gluten here they'll notice immediate symptoms of bloating and things like yeah. that and again there are a lot of symptoms that aren't immediate but for the context of this they'll notice immediate symptoms when they eat gluten here and yeah. then they'll travel and they're like why can I eat gluten there one it's different like the processing the way they grow what they spray in the ground we also deplete like take all the nutrients out of it and then we fortify it with fake yeah. nutrients that aren't even problem. real nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. two, usually when you're on vacation, you're chilling, you're relaxed, you're yeah. in the parasympathetic nervous system. And usually when you're at home, you're not. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So we got gluten, gluten. So gluten, sugar, not natural sugar, like maple syrup, honey, things like that, but processed sugar. So like candy, are you talking about like sweets? Like- I'm saying read your labels because read sugar them. is hidden in a lot of things. And if you don't, if you're reading a label and you don't know what the word is, chances are it's a chemical. So I would Google it yep. and try to only buy things that you actually recognize what's on the label. And you're actually like, oh, I know what this is. Do you listen to the Genius Life podcast with Max Lukavir by chance? No, I should okay. add it to my list. It's like probably one of my faves right now. And he was, he had Dr. I forget his name, um, who said that the worst thing you can put into your body right now is soda. Is oh, soda is trash. Please don't drink it. Mm-hmm. Like I... I'm not the kind of dude, I'm not a stickler about a lot of things. Like I'm not, there are some of my colleagues who are like, never eat gluten ever, Yeah, you know? And like, cool, that works for them. That's their thing, you know? I'm not like that about a lot of things, but soda. And you know what? There's not a lot of women who start with me who are already drinking soda. Cause I think a lot of people have kind of gotten on this train and, and there's some nice substitutes and there's so many other things you could be drinking than soda, but like my dad, when I see my dad drinking soda, I just want to like rip it out of his hand and be like, stop. Yeah, stop. <laughs> yeah, that. Do you know how much freaking sugar's in there? It's insane. Like just Google it for, it's like, like bags and bags. Yeah. And like, look at what that looks like. It's like a yeah. bag of sugar. Like, come on. <laughs> okay. So we've got gluten, we've got sugar. And what would the third thing be? Like seed, like those seed oil, like vegetable oil, like canola oil, like those seedy processed oils. They are so inflammatory, like stick to things like olive oil. Um, if like a high quality, like butter, like organic grass fed, or you can do ghee or coconut oil or avocado oil. And again, read your labels because you will be shocked at what kind of oils are in things. Like even a girlfriend, I was visiting her in Toronto and she was so proud because she got this like really healthy salad or she thought it was healthy from Costco. And I was like, oh, can I just see the ingredients? Because I'm that person who (laughs) reads the labels. Yeah. And it was, there was like three oils in there that were bad, including canola oil. And I was kind of just like- in everything. (laughs) It's in everything. It's wild. It's wild. So Michael had high cholesterol and we were combating it as- in a million different ways. And actually on the Genius Life podcast, one of there's a cholesterol episode that they talked about. Uh, and one of the things to avoid is seed oils. And we were like, what the hell? Because forever, like Basel, Basel mm-hmm. has margarine, has a heart healthy stamp on it. 
yeah. has a hard. Don't eat margarine, guys. <laughs> it's it's basically deep frying your toast. You are yeah. you are spreading canola oil on your toast. You're deep frying your toast. That's how I see it now, and yeah. it's so interesting. If you so many watch, chemicals. If you just watch how it's made, it it the the science has shifted. There was a huge push to screw dairy and screw butter and tallow and other fat sources. So it's called the war on fat. You could Google it. Yeah. The war on fat. And I even like, there's people in my family that use margarine and I'm just like, oh, like anyways. So we went off of seed oils in October of 2022. And I personally, without changing anything in my diet, except for eliminating seed oils. And I, and I use olive oil. I use avocado oil. Um, I lost 10 pounds. Yeah, the inflammation. Like you would have been hanging on to inflammatory weight. People who are plateauing in their weight loss journey. And for context, it it's safe to say that you were already eating pretty well. I eat right? very well. Yeah. Yes, so absolutely. you made one small tweak. It's not like you were eating yeah. not so good and all you did was remove seed oils, you know, yeah. and then yeah. it was magically fine. But yeah, that would have been the inflammatory weight and more like, I bet you probably felt like less puffy as well. Totally. And Michael, his, his, so we did um, no seed oils. We eliminated all grains with glyphosate that mm-hmm. are sprayed with Roundup. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do eat some grains, but it has to have the glyphosate free sign on it at this. This is just because his cholesterol. So because he was doing it, I was doing it because we cooked together and I was like, whatever, I'll just support you and let's do it. And then we had a couple of Brazil nuts. So mm-hmm. those three things and his cholesterol went from through the roof. You're going to have a stroke heart attack at any freaking moment to not only good, but optimal. And yeah. that happened over the course of three months of eliminating, of doing those three things. And we were like, that seems fast. That was fast for us. Like, wow, were those things ever wreaking havoc on our bodies? And I feel it now. And it's and it's hard though, because the vegan community, and I'm a big part of the vegan community. I work at a vegan restaurant. I like, I work with a vegan restaurant. Seed oils ha- are big and and there's a lot of controversy and a lot of uh science around how some of them are healthy like i don't want to be yeah but who's funding the science I, you're right you're right and it's it's just this interesting thing that if you are against it or hesitant to anything that we're saying right now i really strongly urge you to try it that's it see how you feel get the knowing for your own body and see how you feel yeah I actually just posted a story about this about an hour ago because um I had shared something about like oh you're a quack basically if you heal yourself without drugs and surgery and you tell one person about it and you're like oh you're a quack and somebody (laughs) responded being like you know what it's really sad and true like my child has autism and we've done so much research because what you feed your children and their gut health plays a massive role in the severity of this. And she was telling me in the DMs, she was like, we've actually lost friends just because I feed my children like healthy, non-organic food in order to like treat their autism. And I reshared it obviously confidentially. And I just said like, it's a I hear this all the time and it is such a shame. It is such a shame that people won't even try. Yeah. They don't want to take responsibility. 
it's yeah. easier to deny and stay in their loop of what they think they know because if they're wrong then who are they yeah right if like and that's the thing there is hypocrisy in growth when yeah. you grow you're like oh my god i am such a hypocrite i used to preach this and now i am not because now you get it and that's how building your mastery works okay so before we go let can we just can you give me three foods to help build like what are some of the great yes. things we can put into our bodies protein 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 like i cannot <laughs> say this enough please eat more freaking protein are you it's, privy to like plant protein versus like animal protein supplements like what like I prefer animal protein. You do Listen, it. I support everybody's decision. I also used to work at a vegan restaurant, but I was not vegan. Yeah. Um, I loved so many things about that restaurant, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and the lifestyle and all these things, but I was never, I was never, I never agreed necessarily with that, but yeah. you don't have to agree with that to work there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really really all my science, all my research, everything I see in clinical practice supports that those who have a plant forward diet, plant protein, it's just, it's harder. It's harder. It's harder on the digestive system. It's harder to balance the hormones. If they eat some fish, great. If they eat some eggs, great. I have worked with hundred percent plant-based women Yep. It takes longer to see results because you are still looking at getting to about a hundred grams of protein, no matter what kind of protein you eat. And it's yeah. obviously going to be easier to get that if you're eating animal protein. Animal protein is also more bioavailable to the body. So the same thing we were talking about with digestion, where just because you give your body something doesn't mean it knows what to do with it. Yep. The bioavailability of animal protein is your body knows what to do with that plant proteins are incomplete. So you have to really make sure that you know what you're doing and you're combining. So you're getting the full spectrum of amino acids. I would for sure say if you are, if you are plant-based, um, that you will need a good quality protein powder, 100% and maybe like an amino acid supplement as well, just to balance out what you might be missing from your diet. It is interesting though. That was something that I didn't know until I was in my late thirties about complete proteins. How like when you eat a piece of chicken, that is protein. I thought all protein, like if, when it says 10 grams of protein in this quinoa or 10 grams of yeah. protein in this, these lentils, I thought I was getting the protein, but really you're getting a portion of the amino acid profile profile. Yeah. And you have essential amino acids that we need through diet, our body can't make. And then you have non-essential amino acids that your body will take from the essential ones and make its own amino acids. Collagen, for example, very popular supplement. It's not a complete protein right? unless they add tryptophan to it, which right. is an essential amino acid. It's the precursor and the building block of serotonin and therefore melatonin. So protein please, please, please. If it's not animal protein, just really make sure you're doing your research or better yet working with somebody who understands. And I'll just put it out there. That person actually wouldn't be me. I don't work privately with plant-based, hundred percent plant-based women. I just say, I'm not the best person for you yeah. because while I respect, I respect everybody's decisions for religious or ethical reasons 
it doesn't align with my research and my methodology. And I just wouldn't be the best person to support somebody. There's somebody out there who's going to be way better to help those plant-based women or men. That's, so protein. Yeah. yeah. Lots of fruits and veggies. Fruits and veggies. Got it. Like fresh fruits and veggies. So protein forward diet is what I always say. Lots of fresh fruits and veggies. Colorful, like eat the rainbow and not the Skittles. <laughs> Don't be afraid <laughs> of fruit please. Like eating yeah. fruit is way better than eating like a bagel, you know, yeah. or anything else. So if you need that sweetness, like get it from your fruit and eat good quality fat. Do not be afraid of fat. So, um, especially those omega-3 fats. So fish, like the wild caught fish, the salmon, the tuna, but also just be mindful of mercury, um, hemp seeds, Flax seeds, chia seeds, olive oil, butter, olives, ghee, olives, all, like yes, avocados. I love olive, yeah. olives, avocado. Like these are those good, good, healthy fats. Eat that, like those three things. And then I'm going to throw in some fiber in there as well. Eat high fiber. And like when you bring those together and then you start reducing the gluten, the seed oils, and the processed sugars, that alone is going to do so much for not only your mental health, your anxiety, your panic, your depression, but your gut health and your hormonal health as well. It's amazing how making these shifts over time, all of a sudden you have more energy, you're sleeping better, you're able to handle stress a little bit differently. You're not as uh, reactive. And those are the markers. I love that you said that because- this is what I see time again. I've seen it with myself. I used to be a very reactive person. I see it with my clients, especially my mom clients. Because yeah. they have a lot going on and it's easier right. for them to react. Like if I have a busy week, I'm more irritable just because I haven't had as much time for myself. It's wild what supporting your gut health, tweaking your diet, getting enough sleep, all of these things change like fundamentally, like kind of who you are in terms of how you navigate stress. I feel like a completely different person. Sometimes I wish I had video footage of me, like a reality show of what I was <laughs> like in my early twenties, yeah. like versus who I am now. And the people who oh, are yeah. still in my life will have conversations like this sometimes where it's like, you're a completely different person and not in a bad way, but I'm just a completely different person. Yeah. Because you're, you're supporting the natural systems of your body. Mm-hmm. You're getting, you're, and I do therapy <laughs> and you're putting yourself in balance. That's the thing. I literally did a post today that was like optimal physical health requires optimal, like mental health and vice yes. versa. Optimal yes. mental health requires optimal physical health. So if your mental health is suffering, chances are very high that something in the body is going on that can, that they go hand in hand. Okay. I want to, time is up. I want to respect our time. I could talk to you about this forever. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So I hang out primarily on Instagram. So at tay.jandro, come say hi, shoot me a DM. I love chatting with everyone. And then I have my own podcast as well. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast, which it's really good. Thank you. It's It's such a a labor of love, as you know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) having your own podcast. Um, But that's weekly ish, unless something comes up. (laughs) Yeah, love it. So I would say those are my two main areas. You go to my website too, www.tejandro.com. But really, like, if you really want to get a feel for who I am, what I do, all those things, Instagram and the podcast. 
I will absolutely have those links in the show notes. Thank you so much. That was awesome. That was really informative and love it. I really hope that, you know, people out there that have anxiety that want to take accountability for themselves and want to take a step forward will shout out, reach out to you. Yeah. And I can't wait to have you on my pod. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much. Until next time. Bye. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review or sharing on your social media. If you're looking for more, head over to Elisa Unfiltered Coaching for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. Wow.